Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you are all staying grounded in uh, these crazy times. Wow, it's been just such a, an incredible, really just awakening last few weeks of, of so many voices and so much anger and so much pain and so much expression being unleashed into the world. And it's causing a lot of uncomfortable feelings and emotions and ideas and conversations to be had. But I think there's something really beautiful about that too. There's something so beautiful about different people from different walks of life expressing their own unique perspectives on what makes them whole. And I think there's a beautifully healing aspect to this level of expression that allows all of us to find wholeness within ourselves. And in the spirit of celebrating more diverse opinions and the spirit of really going there and examining my own privileges and the things that I hold intrinsically within myself, I am so, so, so excited to be introducing my dear friend, Mr. Rob Serson. So Rob is one hell of a dude. I mean, I met Rob at a personal development retreat a little while back, and we had always sort of been in each other's circles, but never had a chance to really sit down and talk. And last week, I really got some time to, I got some, got a chance to really spend some time with him and we went so deep and I just couldn't wait to have him on the show and share his own sort of perspectives around race and how the color of his skin led him to lack a sense of belonging within himself and how he then changed his own life, took control and creating a sense and created a sense of purpose, love and connection through his work and the life he lives now. And it is such an incredible reminder that we all have the capacity to change when we make a decision. It may not be easy. It may not be, it definitely isn't easy. I mean, Rob had a, I mean, when you listen to the story, you're really, really, really going to hear a side of humanity that just doesn't get expressed often. Everything from racism to suicide attempts to losing everyone to feeling like you don't belong anywhere because you were adopted and abandoned at a young age. And uh, I just really appreciate Rob. I appreciate what he stands for. I appreciate his perspective. I appreciate how much joy and love uh, this man embodies through his being. And I can't wait for all of you to find a piece of Rob's story within yourselves, whether you are black, white, purple, Asian, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. I hope that Rob's story really allows you to find gratitude for your own place and to understand that you're not alone. You know, we all have our own journeys. We all have our own biases. We all have our own challenges in life. And I think the more we can learn to appreciate uh, our own journeys for what they are and not compare them to others, the more we can find that sense of belonging within ourselves, the more we can find that sense of connection and healing within ourselves, which is really the foundation for everlasting change. So enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, uh, and if you want to check out any of Rob's work, you can go to robsersons.com. He's a phenomenal coach. I know plenty of individuals in my own 
circles that work with Rob. And that's what prompted me to want to have him on the show. So if anything resonates, feel free to reach out to him. We'll have the website also in the show notes. But if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, let me know what you love and don't love about the show. Leave us a review. I rarely ever ask for reviews, but if you're listening to this and you haven't left a review and you've been jamming out to the podcast for a while, leave us a review. I read every single one of them. I get tons of emails about how the show has impacted your life, but a review goes a really long way in helping other people find the show too. So anyways, without further ado, guys, here is my dear friend, Mr. Rob Sersons. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you are all staying safe, sane, finding some space in this crazy year we've been alive in. I'm so excited to have you here. Rob, my brother, welcome. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Man, I, uh, one, I love you. Like (laughs) just wholeheartedly, man. I mean, I think we've we have tried sitting down and really having deep conversations for a while now. And we've been in the same settings of personal growth and really healing and sort of stepping into our own power for some time. And I've always admired you from afar, just the way you carry yourself. And I'm just really grateful for a chance to just go down the rabbit hole and get to know you intimately in this setting selfishly so that I can learn just around, especially in this time, man, we're living in such a crazy time where there's there's just so much noise, so much divisiveness, so much anger. I was on your site and I was reading through your story. And one of the threads that kept coming up was this idea of you not feeling like you belonged. Right. This idea of, of, of just being separate from, from, from whether it was your peers, your relationship, didn't matter. It was that internal sense of belonging. Can you describe, I guess, what is the opposite of belonging? Like when you feel like you belong, that's a feeling, but what is not feeling like you belong supposed to feel like in your body? I, I want to say that there's a lot of people on this planet that right. don't feel like they belong. They may be chalking it up to the fact that they're not enough. They may be chalking it up to a lot of things, but I think just from your perspective, I think it'd be really helpful to know kind of what does that lack of belonging feel like? You know, it's definitely a hopeless sensation for me. It was for a very, very long time of, you know, almost a feeling of strong anxiety and just frustration, confusion, confusion is good. And it just always felt so empty. Right. And when I looked among my peers and when I looked in, you know, the dynamic of the area I grew up in, I could, I never felt like I belonged. It, it definitely led to a lot of anger that I had with that. And did you grow up in a predominantly white community? Yeah. Predominantly right in Salt Lake city, Utah. Um, okay. I was born in Phoenix and then, You know, not only that, you know, being adopted and being a child that was an abandoned for the first three months of my life and raised pretty much predominantly by my four-year-old sister. And my mom, biological mom, would come check on us every few days after she was on a binge and bring estranged men back to our house. And, you know, what I was told by my sister, because luckily I was adopted with her, is she would have sex with these men on on the bed and on the same bed we were sleeping on. And so... Who only knows what was happening on the bed with two little babies right next to him while these men came in. And so I suffered a lot with that, right? Like, why would a mother not want me? Why would a mother not want to take care of me? And who only knows what happened to my dad, right? Yeah, no idea. And so I get to this very, I get adopted by a beautiful white family, right? And a very Mormon family. And my, my house was always my safe haven, right? 
beautiful, wonderful caretakers and siblings. The difference is the society which I grew up in, in middle-class Salt Lake City, didn't really accept anything different than predominantly white. And so I and dealt Mormon. with a lot. Right, and Mormon. And yeah. so I, I grew up with a lot of racism. And when I say it wasn't just bullying, it wasn't just name-calling, but it was just getting beat, like beat, kicked in the face, spit on, called nigger. Like that was, that was the usual thing. And I actually hid that from my parents for, for as long as I could because I thought it was something I was doing wrong. Right. And so I went from rejection of abandonment to rejection of a society. So I grew up taking this into my, you know, older years and junior high and high school and always feeling like I didn't belong. And where I excelled was sports. Sports was definitely my safe haven. And it allowed me to be a part of something, a, a part of a community. Right. And it's the only place where actually color or race did not matter. If you're the best, you played. And I played. And something I, I always enjoyed. But the moment I stepped off the court or the field is when I realized I was back being alone. And it was really, really hard to identify with anybody else. Right. And what, what's interesting is in the 90s, you know, you had the rise of hip hop. Right. You had the rise of black culture seen on a new level that it's never been seen before. And it was actually being appreciated even in, you know, white suburbia. And so with that, I went from kind of being a loner that didn't really belong to like the token black kid you see on TV and especially in the 90s movies. Right. And so with that came a lot of pressure. I always felt like I needed to be someone that I wasn't. I felt like I needed to, you know, talk black and dress black and do the things and be the like tough guy, and the funny guy. And what happens with that is when you're trying to be someone that you're just not, that's how you can lose yourself in a way that you will never, or you feel you'll never be able to identify truly who you are. Right. And so that caused even more confusion. So not only was I still not feeling seen, still not feeling accepted other than when I was running a ball, I was trying to be someone and force myself into this person that I saw and that I would learn from, you know, just watching MTV or anything that had to do with black culture. Cause that's what I thought. Like I really convinced myself that's who I needed to be. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so after high school, I got into college and on a full ride scholarship to the university of Utah to play football. And I remember being so excited before we even started because I was going to be around black people for the first time and black dudes. And I was finally going to be like a part of a group that accepted me. To my utter disappointment, that wasn't the case at all. I got up to the University of Utah and these dudes looked and treated me like I was an alien because I was. I was labeled square and whitewashed simply because I didn't come from their cities. I didn't grow up with them. I grew up with white people. I spoke white. I spoke educated, like whatever you wanted to call it. And I didn't really start being let in or seen until they started seeing what I could do on the field. And even with that, I still didn't really fully ever get accepted because I was that weird kid from Utah, right? right? The black kid from Utah. So here I was growing up, feeling like never accepted, feeling abandoned, feeling rejected. And then the one time I thought I was going to be fully accepted and, and, and loved is I get rejected again. And so I'm like, damn, like, I don't belong here. Like, there's nothing I can do. I am an alien. I am a square. I am all those things. And so with that, it, it leads a charge of such depression when you actually, 
and physically can see that there's not a part in this world which accepts you. And it was, it was hard. And it was actually during that time is when I realized how dark and deep my depression went to the point where, you know, I was fantasizing of different ways that I could end my life. And even though I was on the biggest stage in college football or one of the biggest at the time, looking back then till now, it's different, but that's what I felt like. And I was always seen as like the football player, which I loved in a lot of senses, like it served my ego, but never in a way of who I was. And what I realized looking back now, I can't blame any way, anyone for not seeing me who I was because I don't even know who I was. Yeah, right. right. Just in a blunder of years and years and years of not knowing who I was. And so that's what the feeling I had of never, ever belonging was. Yeah. And that's what started the spiral. And I really appreciate you kind of taking us through each of the stages because it feels like like the foundation was really the fact that you were adopted. Right. Like, and the fact that you were abandoned by right. your by your true parents, right? Like that's the right. foundation which then started the seed that grew even more doubt and the story that then planted this idea of you not belonging as you are right. you not being you not even being able to be accepted as you are right i mean that's what caused the seed and it's almost like the lens was planted so early on and there's no right. way you could so i think that you know our implicit biases are so strong mm-hmm. right like there are certain things that i was just born with that i wouldn't even have the capacity to see right like whether it's the privilege of being this or that. I mean, I think in general, like there are a lot of things that I was born with that I just wouldn't even know that I had the capacity to change. How did you know that you actually had the ability to look back and see the story for what it was and do something about it? You know, it took me a lot of years and it wasn't until probably 15 years until I got out of high school, until my mid thirties, where I really realized like, okay, this is why I am the way I am. Right. And And it really, the catalyst of all that was a suicide attempt. Right. In, in my mid thirties, when everything had fallen apart, you know, my first marriage had fallen apart. My first startup had fallen apart. Things with my relationships were falling apart, just everything, because I had so much unhealed trauma and rejection yeah. that my life was done. And that was a choice I was ready and prepared to make. And it wasn't until then I was ready to like, OK, let's revisit this. Let's see if there's actually an opportunity for me to continue on this life and see if there's a possibility of joy. See if there's a possibility of intention, of success, of love, of being seen, like all these different things. It wasn't until I had that intention of no longer living as the victim and the poor me that I could actually reflect back and say, you know, almost reverse engineer why my life has gotten to where it is. And take accountability for where I could and start to rebuild on that, right? Like truly identifying and owning my story. No longer giving power to the like, the poor me and the why me. And start to identify the powers that come from significant trauma, right? From, from not belonging, from having no choice but to create your own identity because you didn't have any identity to look from, Right. I feel very strongly, at least for me, having not not born with an identity in, in a matter of speaking and having to grow up in a way with such confusion and then getting to a place like halfway through your life, you're like, okay, I have no idea who I am. 
but I would love to figure it out. Changes everything. Mm. Changes everything. Cause I don't have any dogma. There's no more dogma of religion. There's not, you know, a program of or tradition of family that I need to follow. Right. It's something I can clear and create for myself and nothing makes you or forces you to look deeper within than something like that. Dude, that's so good. I have a quick question. Sure. So I understand and wholeheartedly embrace the idea of taking radical ownership of your life. And one of the things that I've always struggled with is just the idea that sometimes I take radical ownership for things that aren't necessarily my fault. Right. Right. Whether it's the way someone treated me or it's ignoring someone else's trauma and just assuming that it's all on me. Right. Right. Like as you're going through the process of changing your life and as you're going through the process of rebuilding this identity, how do you sort of balance the, the notion that, hey, I am responsible for my life, but there are also things around me that just suck. Right. Because there's 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 a lot of balance there that I think I personally struggle with in knowing right. that, like, you know, is it them? Is it me? And how do you sort of find your own solid footing as you go about sort of changing your life? So I, I do believe that's like a piece of, of a lot of self-love, right? Like really identifying what serves you and what doesn't. And it's also identifying what, what is yours to wear and what is not. Mm. And it comes with a lot of practice and a lot of introspection, right? Because our ego wants us to carry in and be like, oh, this is all me. This is my fault. I'm going to wear it. And it goes into a loop of like self-punishment. I'm going to punish myself for whatever this is, even though like my partner did this or that did that, like no matter what. Our ego likes to wear it all because it feels like we're justified. We're justified in the pain. We're justified in the negative experience or whatever that is. In reality, that isn't the case. Like punishing ourselves doesn't serve us whatsoever. And it doesn't, you know, spring us into a better situation. If anything, I feel it slows us down. We're carrying weight that we necessarily don't need to. And so if you can just give yourself permission just to slow things down, to look at the things uh, where you are accountable. And accountability is a huge piece. It also allows you, it gives you power because the the moment you give all that accountability away is when you become the victim, right? And then you lose all your power and then you're in a state of blame. But what you're talking about is just like literally taking everything on and it's just carrying just as much weight. So yeah, we need to identify where where we've messed up in our life and we need to take accountability for it, but we also need to self-analyze what is ours and what is not. And if we don't need to carry it, no matter what, if it's just something we just need to energetically let go, if it's a conversation, a difficult conversation we need to have, right, with someone else or, or, or the situation, that's fine too. But yeah, carrying everything because we feel justified in the self-punishment isn't a form of self-love. It's just a simple self, self-punishment punishment that actually inhibits us from growth. What does energetically letting go of something mean? Right. So for me, it's... I feel like everything's energy. Everything's energy, right? And so even though emotions carry, carry in an, an energy. And so I give myself permission to simply let things go and give it back to the earth, mm. right? And sometimes it's just through meditation. Sometimes it's through anything physical. You know, I still love the gym. I throw around a lot of weight. And so it's just simply letting that negative energy go in such a healthy manner right? There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just what feels good to the person, right? I'm Can you give me an example. So like, let's say I have a, are you, so let's say I have a, I'm going to close out a chapter in my life or like, there's something that I'm carrying that I just don't want right. to carry anymore. Would it be as simple as me, like writing a letter and burning it? Or like, would it be as simple as me just being like, 
Like, like can you walk me through a practical? Because I think a lot of people are going to, I do believe in the concept of closure. Right. The concept of closure, the concept of forgiveness, the concept of right. letting go, the concept of literally taking some burden that you've been carrying, whether it's right. energetic or something that's been really like you've been putting on you. Right. And just saying no more. I think the example you gave of writing a letter and burning okay. it is a great one. I think walking in a field and bare feet and just literally letting, you know, the center of the earth take that energy away from you with that intention of what you're trying to let go. I think if it's a conversation you need to have with yourself in the mirror and just simply giving yourself permission to let go, right? There's so many, so many options. If it's just anger and you need to go beat the hell out of a pillow or your bed and just gorilla slap it, you can do that as well. It's, it's however you choose in a healthy, safe manner to let go of this energy, right? And sometimes it's just more that it's going to take more than one time, depending how heavy the, the, the situation is, right? But it's something that just feels good where you can visually see it and let it go. Yeah. Right. How does the idea of setting intention or how has the idea of setting intention in your life led to you feeling more belonging in yourself? Right. Right. So when I decided not to go forward with my suicide, I set my gun down and, you know, I thought about it and I contemplated for hours. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. I, I didn't have a community at the time. I didn't have any, you know, tribes. I had been in years and years of therapy and anger management, like all the things that just never, ever worked for me. I remember setting the gun down and really contemplating and just thinking to myself, if I'm going to live, I have to live with intention. I can no longer be a leaf in the wind, right? Just whatever happens. And then, you know, when you're depressed and suicidal at times, it's really easy just to manifest bad shit come at you all the time. Because that's, that's all your mind thinks of. And that's all your mind is used to over and over again. Right. So for me, I had to alter my state of mind of living with intention. And it wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to think positive and great things are going to happen. It's not that easy when you've been programmed literally to hate your life. And so I just started with the simple phrase of what if, what if, what if I could actually find a job or create a job or a career that I love? What if I could actually call a person or a partner that is, that supports me and sees me? What if I could actually live in joy, right? Just simple little intentions like that because automatically I'm giving myself opportunity just to think and see a little bit differently, right? Rather than just a darkness and abyss and failure and fear, right? I was giving myself permission and that's how the small intention started, which grew into like, you know, three or four years later after that, yeah, four or five years later, I'm living a life that I absolutely love. I'm surrounded by a tribe of people that I absolutely love just simply because I started with the what if. Mm. Right. I love the idea of starting small and you get to a place where now the what ifs are almost out of your hand. Like, let's say we talk about the climate we are in right now in America, right? right? With so much like just inequality, there's, there's a lot of sort of charged anger and the intentions seem bigger than ourselves, right? Like how do you sort of approach change intention intentional living in in a space where there's so much charge on both sides and it seems right. like change isn't something that's going to happen overnight for me and, and, and you know some of the story that i've spoken about is any call inequality and racism is something that i've seen my entire life i have i've been a victim of police brutality a few times and it's very easy to get caught up in the anger it's very easy to get caught up in 
what social media tells me to do. Yeah. For me in this experience of what's going on right now, I've actually allowed me to sit in my own pain and in my own experience, right? And when you see it at such a world impact that it has right now, it's really easy to get even more hyped up and getting more anger. And when you see like injustices continually over and over. But what I found is when I'm in my anger, I'm not in my power, right? Mm. And I've always had a problem with anger. And it's never been, I've never acted it out in, in violence or anything like that. But I've always been a very angry human being just from the life that I've lived and the life I've called on, right? And I let go of that. I, I, would, I would channel that anger either in the weight room or the sports that I played, right? But even when I stepped on the field, I would have to let my anger go every single time. Like I would make sure I clear it or I'd channel it in just to a ball of energy inside my chest. Because when I played angry, I, did, I was not in flow. And I was always a runner, whether it was rugby or football, I was a running back or a wing. And when I was in flow, I felt like I couldn't be touched. When I was angry, I was always thinking of what to do, right? Thinking before it happened and then, you know, plays would fall apart. The same is within this situation here. If I'm just going to lead this movement for myself and for my family with rage and anger, I'm not going to change anything. Yeah. I'm not going to get anything done, right? Even though I do have anger, I do have frustration. Leading with anger changes nothing for me, right? I do feel as a collective that anger is needed if it can be channeled correctly, right? Not with violence, not with hurting innocence, not with breaking things, even though sometimes I feel like breaking things is sometimes a healthy way of to channel energy as long as it's yours or something like that. But no, I'm not condoning violence or rioting or anything like that, yeah. but I understand the charge behind it, right? I completely understand it. But if I can do it with a clear level head and see things of what needs to be changed, what needs to be moved for me, for my family, and then like as a collective, I feel like a lot more can be done. When you say flow, what, can you describe what flow feels like and what's the difference between feeling in flow and feeling passionate? Because I think that... For me, like most people even talk about just living a passionate life, like right. you know, follow your passions, living your passions. Right. And I think anger is a form of passion. Right. And so, you know, I, I just would love to hear kind of like the distinctions between this life of passion and anger right. and, and flow. Yeah. Flow for me means without thought, without thought. And I always equate it to running. When I'm running with a ball and I have tons of guys that just want to rip my head off and tackle me or whatever that is. I just see things before they even happen. I see things, I see moves. And even at my size, I can outrun usually one of the fastest guys. Back in the day, that's not so true anymore, <laughs> right? But for me, it's not even having to think, it's just react. With passion, I'm passionate about eating. I'm passionate about taking a good nap. I'm passionate about like going to a good concert, right? doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to follow any of those things and make in my career right? You can be passionate about, you know, making a change. You can be passionate, but also passion, like you said, is also an emotion. It comes and goes. You can be super passionate about something one day and then a week later, you're not so passionate. 100%. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I feel like purpose is more important than passion. Sometimes purpose just can be more difficult to find. And that's when, for me, I had to really truly identify who I was. 
not who society told me I was, not who my friends to, told me I was. I had to find that out for myself in order to fall into purpose. How did you, how did you start that journey? And, and what have you learned on the journey to sort of identifying the purpose within yourself? Identifying the purpose came essentially first from healing, right? Because I feel when you have so much trauma or just some trauma, right? Your scope is so narrow. You just simply see through here. As you heal and as you give yourself permission to let things go, and as you are able to look at things from a different perspective, that scope starts to widen and widen and widen. And with the widening of scope and the greater awareness came greater options and greater opportunities that perhaps you've never seen before, right? And so healing was and still is the number one thing, most important thing for me to dive further into my purpose, right? To, to have greater empathy, to have greater consciousness in the work that I do. But it first started with me and choosing to heal. No longer bearing things under the rug. No more feeling like I needed to punish myself. No more feeling like I needed to, you know, be a man and just tough it out, right? Just the lie society gives us to fit a narrative, right? It had to start with me. It's really powerful because even in that idea, you're literally unlayering. Healing right. is simply unlayering all the things that weren't yours to begin with. It's almost like you're letting go of things that aren't yours, which then gives you the possibility now to feel into what is actually you, right? And right. I've always felt like the healing is in the feeling. Right. So when you feel into your body and that gives you then the perspective and the power now to even understand what you do like, like, right? Like feel into desire. And so like, all right, let's say, all right, healing, I am totally on board with that. When we heal, we unlayer. So then how do you define purpose, right? Because I feel like healing is the first step to just clearing the board. Right. But then like, what is purpose in your, in your mind? In my mind and what I coach is simply something that you feel that you were called to do on this planet. For me, that's what, that's what purpose means for me. And it's something that actually that you do when you're doing it, you feel like you're in flow state, like without thought, you're just reacting and you're just aligning and you're going right. That's what it means for me. So it feels good to do. It feels so good to do. And, it, and I don't necessarily feel everyone needs a career in purpose. There's some things people are just super talented at that make them really successful, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's their purpose. Right. For me, however, I feel like what I do is my purpose. It doesn't feel like a job. It simply feels like a calling that was like preordained for me, if you will. Yeah. And I think it's important to distinguish like because feeling good doesn't have to necessarily be equated with what you do. Right. Right. Like you can have a great job that pays really well, but your purpose can be to to be a certain type of human being. Right. Right. Like a man man or woman of integrity or like, I mean, those values that you have in your body can be a part of purpose. I don't think purpose. I think people confuse purpose with like, this is what I'm going to leave on this planet when I die. But to me, what you're leaving on this planet when you die is the way you make other people feel. Right. Right. And you can do that through your work. You can do that through massive work, but you can also do that with your presence and, 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 and how you show up and why you show up and getting right. really clear on sort of the, the, the underlying aspects of your existence. And I think that's what you've done really. And it's, it's beautiful because I, I love your story and your journey because you came from a place where you didn't know anything about yourself, right? And then you learn to let go and then invite in. And then you just leaned into things that felt good to you. 
whether it was the type of man you wanted to be or the type of work you wanted to do. And at the intersection of that feels like flow. And and I also feel like, yeah, purpose doesn't need to be your career. I do feel, however, whatever your purpose is, it's creating an impact and a positive impact. And it might, might be a small one, but it's just helping your fellow man. Like as cheesy as that sounds, like creating a positive impact for those around, whether it's just your family, whether it's just your spouse, whether yeah. it's just your child, whatever that is, that can also be your purpose. Well, and the, it's, it's important for everyone to recognize and realize that you don't know the ripple impact of your being, right? Like you don't know the ripple impact that's going to happen just by you showing up and you right. being, being the highest version of you. Right. Not the version of you that you were taught to be, but truly like who you want to be, who you choose to be. Right. And when you show up with that, like you can have one conversation, that person may have a conversation with someone else that was inspired by you. And then right. that conversation may reach hundreds of people. Right. And so like, you just don't know how far the ripples go. You don't know how far the waves are going. Right. And I think that's why it's so important to sort of break away from the idea that this purpose has to be this all knowing sort of like, I think purpose gets really mystified. Purpose gets a weird rep in the world because people associate it with these guys that are living in purpose and making a difference. But the difference is made at the one-to-one level. 100%. It's it's made at the, actually it's made within yourself first. Right. right? And then that's what then creates the impact. Right. Why do you call it a calling? For me, it's something that it comes with, from within. And it's, it's just like, you're, you know, in a sense, you're feeling pulled to do something. And sometimes you don't know initially what, but I don't know. I'm just going to head this direction and see how this feels. And as you head this direction a little bit more, it feels a little bit ba- better. It feels a little bit stronger. It feels a little bit more powerful, right? And that's how literally I got into coaching. I'm just like, I'm going to try this out. So it feels, I know I speak really well with people. I know I hear people. I know I feel people. I actually really love it, right? And then all of a sudden it just starts to get churning and bigger and bigger and bigger. For me, that's what I feel is just like really feeling into your intuition and really paying attention to what feels good to you as you're doing. Right. In a sense for me, that's being called. Mm. And I love that distinction because then you're actually uncovering your purpose. Right. Instead of finding it. Right. Like, it's not like you're like, Oh, I need to go find my purpose. No, you're like, I'm kind of sure that this is a direction I want to go in because it feels good. Right. And then you just move in that direction. And then eventually you're like, oh yeah, I like this piece. I like this piece, but right. then I want to, it's you're you're following, you're following a North star that exists inside of you. Right. Right. And right. I think that's, what's so powerful about the idea of belonging. Like when coming back to this idea that if you don't feel like you belong in yourself, you can't belong in the world. And, and so like, how does belonging feel in your body? Belonging for me feels like a power and such a strong sense of self-trust that Mm. I've never had before. Because in a lot of places it's, it's when you feel like you don't belong and when you make up stories that you've been exiled and that you're ostracized and all these different things, it's a very empty and cold feeling for me. Right. When it's, when you're not in choice, some people want to be alone. I feel we as humans are pack animals. I do. I feel like we thrive in family. I feel like we thrive in a tribe, right? And it's just a sense of, of power and a great, beautiful sense of love, right? When you're being seen, when there's not judgment, when there's people that just want to sh- see you shine and succeed and be happy 
and be healthy, right? It's a sense that only you can create for yourself. It's a door of vulnerability that one has to be willing to open up to. It's just that innate sense of power, love, and trust. As you're saying this, you know, I've been doing, I've been going through a lot of changes in my life the last few weeks, as, right. as we've talked about. And yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I found about my own journey is how many of my own values were so dependent on external factors in order for me to feel safe. Whether it was how much money I had in the bank or how many people saw me do a certain thing, or, or it was always like my energy, my excitement, my sense of self was so dependent on an external thing needing to go a certain way. Right. Which made me feel powerless. Right. It didn't make me feel it didn't help me feel safe at all. And the most profound work that I've really been leaning into more so is sort of challenging all those values that have kept me there and sort of flipping them on its head. Right. Like, what are the like, how can these same values help me feel safe within myself here? Right. Right. Like, how can I remove the word need from my life altogether that I don't need anything, anyone Right. Any outside action, any outside instance, any outside event to give me the gift of me. It's changed my life when you start right. to really look and stop looking outside for things that you can actually create within. Dude, so I do have a question for you around the idea of belonging in general. So how do you unlayer the need to belong? Because I think need is one of those words in my own life that I'm starting to relinquish. But belonging is something that's so intrinsic to us as a species. Like we're a tribal species. We love, like that's how we grow. That's how we thrive. So how do you sort of balance this need for something that's so essential for our health and well-being? How do you unlayer that? I'm just curious to hear your take. Right. For me, and where a lot of people start off for is, it's not necessarily belonging, but it's the validation. And the validation piece is people, I like to use the term that still aren't all the way in their body, right? And when I say that they're not fully present or in a place of knowing of who they are. Mm. And it gets super tricky because you'll find those people that are friends with everybody, right? They have so many different social groups. They have so many different communities that they belong to, which is great. And yet at the same time, they always feel so alone, Right. And so for me, I grew up in a lot of ways of not knowing who I was and desperately just wanting to belong somewhere, right? Whether it was a team, whether it was a group of friends and still not feeling a sense of like truly belonging. And that comes down to truly not identifying who I was, right? Truly not knowing who I was as a person and a man. So it... Like I said, you know, we talked about the healing piece a little bit and we also needed to, I also needed to identify like, am I really good with my yeses? Am I really good with my no's? Mm. Am I truly honoring myself and those around me or am I just being surrounded so I feel like I'm not alone, even though in a sense I was still alone, right? So to truly unlayer the belonging, I needed to know who I was. I really need to do a deep dive and ask myself questions that we usually don't ask ourselves and create a dialogue with myself. Rob, who am I? What truly makes me happy? What are the things I would like to do? Who are the types of people I'd like to surround myself with, right? And so once I started asking myself those questions, it was interesting that different friends started disappearing. Yeah. Different groups and different teams started disappearing as I stepped more into who I was. And as I stepped more into who I was, other people started showing. Yeah. People that I would have nothing to do with in a million years 
until I started identifying truly who I was. And then I'm like, wow, that's a soul brother right there. That's a soul sister right there. That's, that's my community. That's my people. Right. And because I always pictured myself, like I, I'll probably always just hang out with athletes because that's all I've done my entire life. Right. And in reality, now my tribe is very minimal athletes. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, just people that are really focused on improving themselves and improving those around them and, you know, being strong fathers and strong mothers and, you know, people that just want to see this world become better in a collective level. So the more I identified who I was, the more I created a sense of belonging and also identifying who I belonged with. Yeah. It's almost like, and I love the idea of belonging to yourself. Right. Uh, you said use a dialogue with yourself. Like that's such a powerful right. descriptor or even visual of like, you're getting to know yourself in the ass, in the attitude of getting to know yourself, you're actually building the best companion you've got. Right. Right. Which is the relationship with your identity. And, and that creates a whole nother layer of conversation around like, what is the identity? What is the ego? What is sitting behind it? What is actually driving? What is actually the driving force? But I think that you're right. I mean, your home is, is, is awareness. Your home is this sense of what you see and what you know and what you can, what you can cling on to when nothing else outside of you has to change. It's almost a really interesting. I found that like the more I begin to truly feel safe within myself, the more I truly find that sense of belonging in my own body. Like right. you said, like the resonance changes, like you're, right. you're upgrading your frequency from, from borrowing traits from neediness to then just like right. person who does not need anything has everything. Right. And in that nature, it's like, it just starts to attract, which is really fascinating and powerful, but it is scary to, right. to start that journey. Yeah. And, and the scary piece of that is just simply because it's the unknown. Yeah. And, and so it, it, that, that frame can actually be shifted because I don't, scary is such a deterrent, right? And so if we could just step in and just like, yeah, it's a little unknown and you can be nervous, but it's actually the most pivotal and important step you can ever take and ever make. I love that too. That's such a good reframe. Rob, you are such a legend, bro. I really admire how, how much work you've done. I think, I think of everything that I really admire about you, like I, I can just feel the level of commitment you have to, to truth within yourself and, and unlayering all the things that are so difficult. I mean, you've come from such a crazy life story, man. And hmm. for, for you to continue having the bravery and the, and the courage and the resolve and the commitment to, to truly going deeper and feeling everything and finding that safety within yourself. It's so incredible. And no, I appreciate that. Man. And I Thank see, you. and I see that so clearly, like I'm, I'm yeah. really like, even the way you hold your, your conversations and the way you express what you're feeling, like it's, it's a testament to how much work you've done. And I'm just, I'm grateful that I'm just grateful that I, I got to spend all this time just witnessing somebody who feels so safe within themselves and you may not always feel safe within yourself. You'll have days where you feel sure. like, sure. Right. Like we're all human, but I just really appreciate the example that you set. And I, I think a lot of people listening would probably say the same. No, I'm grateful for you as well, man. Truly appreciate it. Rob, uh, can you just talk a little bit about the work you do um, in case anybody listening was interested in sort of getting involved with you or, you know, just learning more about your coaching services and beyond? Right. Absolutely. So, so I'm an empowerment coach and I'm not one of those coaches that went and got certified over a weekend and got handed like a cookie cutter regiment for clients. That's not how I work at all. I work off feeling and intuition, 
truly identifying where my clients want to go, what it is they want to accomplish, right? More times than not, when you ask someone what they want, they always say the things they don't want. I don't want to focus on the things you don't want. I want to focus on the things that you truly would love to manifest and create. And that's where, where I call my work warrior work. And warrior is simply identifying truly who you are. And if we don't know who you are yet, we'll figure it out. Mm. And it's, it's something I take very personally and I do with honor because I, I fall in love with every client I have, no matter how much resistance they show and, you know, to the tasks and the work at hand, we always develop, you know, a family relationship, you know? And so that's what I do. I take great pride in the work I do for myself so I can stand in integrity with the work I do with those that I work with. Yeah, no, I mean, I've seen that, man. I, I, I know plenty of people that work with you and I've seen the change. And like I said, I mean, more than that, to me, the best coaches in the world are the ones that throw themselves into the arena Right. And and forge themselves in the fires of their own teachings to discover the truth that exists in their own human experience. And I just see right. that so clearly in you. And I'm just so grateful, brother. Rob, I got one last question for you, man. Uh, in the midst of everything you've been through, everything you're doing and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? How do I stay grounded? I think it's always really important to identify and know where you came from. I would be lying if I would be saying that I'm completely healed of the pain and the trauma that I've experienced. It's, it's an ongoing and will be a long process to completely let go. And, you know, the life I'm living now at one time was just a fantasy, simply a fantasy. And I have a beautiful fiance. I have, I'm surrounded by five children, four stepchildren, one child, one daughter, that's mine, you know, and just the opportunity to see them grow and create such an impact. It's all that matters. You know, family and love to me, it's all worth it. And so that's how I stay grounded. Right. And I also have my daily rituals of meditation, getting in the gym, working out things that need to be worked out sometimes, you know, and always doing it in a healthy manner. But for me, my anchor is always knowing and identifying where I came came from. Absolutely, brother. Well, man, like I said, Rob, I love you. I'm so glad we got to riff this way, man, on this platform. And just go down the rabbit holes that we did. Uh, a few technical difficulties here and there, but we yeah, we figured, <laughs> but we figured yeah. it out. And uh, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host Raj. This is your new friend Rob, and from us, thanks so much. Stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.